I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others to make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. My name is Sean Coomer, the editor-in-chief of Miles to Memories and your host for this amazing weekly adventure we call the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and managing editor of MTM, Mark Osterman. This week on the show, Hyatt plays Grinch and Santa at the same time. Mark is taking a hard pass on the companion pass from Southwest, and Joe is going to rub in the fact that he went all the way to Orlando and rode Rise of the Resistance, and I didn't. As a reminder, if you do love the show, you can subscribe and find all of the links at mtmpodcast.com. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other places. And if you do love the show, consider leaving us a great review. It helps us reach more listeners, but it's also really great to hear your uh, feedback. And uh, don't forget to tell a friend. Now, on to the show. All right, guys. I just wanted to start the show uh, this week by thanking you guys for filling in for me last week. I was sick with the uh with the flu that i caught in uh, disney world and people probably don't know but joe wasn't even supposed to be on the last episode he was supposed to take the week off and he filled in and saved me because i was just not feeling well so thank you guys so much for filling in last week no problem and yes it was my week off so thanks for nothing <laughs> people disney. love the mark and joe show man Woo. yeah mark mark got so much delight this week every time somebody said oh great show with the two of you just to just to run you know, it in. i don't know but i don't I'm know if you I don't know. I don't know if you listen, Sean, but we opened with "They call me Jose," and I'm Mark, <laughs> and I'm Sean. No, that's you're not part of it. <laughs> yeah, All right, that's, you know, that's Bash Brothers now. on that's Bash Brothers on uh, Netflix reference. So uh, you know you can uh, check that out. It's not you that need good, to, except for you that know, one song. You just need to watch the first four minutes and then you can turn it off. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, we're glad you're. I'm glad you're feeling better, Sean. You know uh, you were missed. Our trolling aside. Yes. Well, the trolling uh, with Mark never ends, so it's okay. I'm used to it. It was kind of weird. Um, you know, for some reason, there were like less outtakes. I'm not sure why. Yeah. Well, that's not a surprise. Everybody knows that I love to goof around. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. We better move other on. Than, <laughs> we better move on. So other than, uh, there, was, you know, there, was, almost... there was only two long pauses instead of like seven normally. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was that was that was me I had doing research on the internet, but yeah, sorry. Hey, anyway, welcome back, Sean. So, yeah, I got really sick in uh in Walt Disney World coming back from my trip, and then I was supposed to go back there for the opening of the brand new ride in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Rise of the Resistance, and I couldn't because I was so sick and then I had to come back and take care of uh, some stuff for my dad. So, instead, well, not instead, Joe was going to go anyway, but Joe did manage to make it down to Orlando and ride Disney's latest and greatest ride. I think you liked it, right? Yeah. First, I was genuinely disappointed that you didn't get to go. You know, I felt really bad for you. I know you've been uh, looking forward to it. I know you're going in like a month or so, but all joking aside, it really sucks that uh, you got sick that badly. Before I talk about the ride, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how I booked the trip. So I booked it with JetBlue and I used my last CNB points to book one night stay at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, 
if you call CNB Rewards and get the cruises and tours department, and this works with City as well, you know, you can book Disney World hotels uh, through there and use your points to do that. And so I got like 1.2 cents per point value on that. And you still, I think, get that from cruises and tours on CNB, even though everything else is 1.1, although I'm not 100% sure on that. So, you know, that's how I booked it. Sean, are you like, do you have a plan for your CNB points before I get to the ride? I think I'm still going to use it, use them towards a cruise. So it's going to be a significant discount, but probably won't cover all of it. But we're trying to, uh, uh, we have some spending this month that's uh, hopefully will earn us some points um, because we, we, you know, have a lot of grocery spending in the month of December. So let's hope that uh, that gets us pretty close. I mean, you got to buy a lot of turkeys. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, we're big, we're do? big, uh, we're big spenders in December in grocery stores. So. Get them from Make, Popeyes. Mix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a last episode reference. If you guys don't know what Mark's talking about. All right. So the ride, Mark, even you, I think would enjoy this ride. There's going to be no spoilers here. Uh, if you're interested in hearing like a spoiler filled version, I recorded my Disney Decipher podcast episodes are usually only 20 minutes long, uh, but we had a full 40-minute episode, 20 minutes Leslie and I talking with no spoilers, and then 20 minutes I brought on Doug McKnight from Rope Drop Radio who had also ridden the ride, and we talked spoilers for a full 20 minutes. No spoilers here. All I can say or all I want to say is that it's the most immersive experience in the theme park that I've ever had, uh, and I think it's probably the most experienced or top three theme park experiences in the world you feel like you are in the middle of a Star Wars movie or really just in the middle of Star Wars. And, you know, Mark, I know you're not a huge Disney fan, but I feel like anyone who rides this ride, even if they don't care anything about Star Wars, um, would just appreciate kind of how in the middle of things it puts you on. You know, I don't want to say more for spoilers and things like that, but, you know, words don't do it justice. It's kind of hard to put in words uh, what it's like. And so, again, I'm really sad you missed it, Sean. Is it like a like a roller coaster with video, kind of like a Escape from Gringotts type of thing? Or um, yeah, so again, I don't want to spoil things, but is I'll that really say, spoiling things? Saying like it's well, a roller coaster with videos and stuff. It's, it's not. So you know, I talked about this on Disney Deciphered. For like, if you're thinking about whether you want to bring your young kids on this, in terms of the actual movement. Mark, you're saying, is it a roller coaster? It's not a roller coaster. The ride vehicles, they just kind of move around. They move around pretty quickly, but you know they're not like whipping around. There's no turning upside down or anything like that. There's very little in the way of drops or falls. So for your kids, I actually don't think the movement of the ride is what might be too intense for them, but actually what's happening in the ride is what might be too intense for them. Because, you know, this is not a spoiler. I mean, I'm sure you would assume this, it being a Star Wars ride. There are people like shooting at you and there's a lot of things happening. So a lot of and things like that. A lot of shooting and missing then if it's a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, uh, Stormtroopers, again, not a spoiler. So. Still very bad at uh, their aim. Um, so Mark, you ask whether it's like an escape from Gringotts. What I'll say is it takes elements from multiple rides and types of rides and puts them all together in one attraction. And I think that's why it's been having so many um, kind of technical difficulties, but uh, it's an amazing ride. I rode it once on, I was only at Disney for 24 hours. Didn't get to McDonald's. Sorry. How dare you? I know. I know. I rode it one Sunday night and it was so good that I woke up at 5 a.m. the next day to get into the park at 5 or line up to get into the park at 525 a.m. Um, to get a virtual boarding group because that's how they're doing the queue right now, at least for the next month or so, so that I could ride it again before I flew out that morning. So that's how good the ride is. I woke up at 5 a.m. to ride it a second time. So uh, it's really great. Mark, you know, when you do go back to Disney, uh, you, you should check it out. I 
it's tough to imagine people not enjoying this ride. How long did you have to wait for it? So the way it went down was on Sunday afternoon, I got into, so it's like a virtual queue and you get a notification on your phone when it's time to go back. And what they said is when you go back, you shouldn't have to wait more than an hour. I got into the queue. I had been waiting for half an hour and I found out later, I was like at the last turn before the actual attraction starts. And then we stopped moving and I was like, uh oh. And then they started coming through the queue, giving us water and carrots. Chewbacca came out oh, to hang out with us no, and stuff no. like that. And I was like, oh, something is yeah. something is not right. Um, but the good thing is they didn't dump the queue. They didn't make everyone leave. So I didn't have to like kind of re-wait in that section again. So that first time I ended up waiting for two hours before I got onto the attraction. The second time I actually read, wrote at 7, 16 a.m. And I walked straight onto the ride. There was only one group in front of me. So um, being there that early really helped. So that's a good tip. Get up early if you want to do it because you'll probably get through quicker. Yes. Yes. Uh, As of right now with the virtual queue, if you're not in the park before like 830, they've been running out of uh, spaces in line. So that's kind of what you got to do. The park doesn't even officially open till nine, but they've been running out of spaces in line by 830. So um, something to know. So can you you can just get into the uh, Star Wars section early? Is that the only thing that's open? So they've been opening things up at six a.m. and they've been opening up like most of the park. So because people have to get inside the park, like it's geolocated, you have to be physically inside the park to get the boarding group, which is what they're calling the virtual queue. But okay. once you're in there and you have your number, you need like something to do. So they've opening up. They've been opening up Toy Story Land, Tower of Terror, like a lot of the thrill attractions. Um, so there's still things to do in the park. Other things people have been doing is you know if you have a later boarding group you're not going to get called until the afternoon or until nighttime. So people go back to the hotel to take naps. They go to Epcot. They ride the Skyliner, which is awesome, by the way. Those are like the cable cars that are running between some of the resorts and Epcot Hollywood Studios right now. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. I know this is a lot of Disney talk, but for any theme park nerd, this is like... Or Star Wars nerd. And yeah, and for any Star Wars nerd, this is like kind of like the biggest thing to have happened for a long time. Flight of Passage, which is an amazing ride. I would not have gone back at 5 a.m. to go ride it again. So, you know, take that as you will. Sean's just sitting in a puddle of tears right now. <laughs> you know, well, we'll get to the next segment where I'm where I'm happy to rub something in Joe's face. But uh, Wait, what? Just Let me kidding. pull up the notes. Hold on. <laughs> but uh, no, you said that at the beginning, you said it's like maybe top, top theme park attraction or maybe top three. Are there any other theme park attractions you can specifically name that you would say compared to this? So... Some people are saying they still prefer Flight of Passage, and I can see it. They're different types of rides. And so I think that's why, um, you know, people kind of. That's like, just the simulator ride, right? The Flight of yeah, Passage. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. The difference between Flight of Passage and this ride, Rise of the Resistance, is like Flight of Passage, like I can conceptually figure out like how they did things, you know, because I'd seen this kind of idea before. But with Rise of the Resistance, I a lot of times I was just like, how did they do this? Like, I don't know how they did it. And so I think that's why magic. I guess for Disney me, magic. They just I sprinkled know. it on there. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't I don't know what to say. Like there are, there are parts like there are times where you walk in one door and you walk out the same door and everything has totally changed. I don't understand how they do it. So turntable. Yeah. Ex- except for you're like, uh, you don't feel it, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just- <laughs> well, you know, actually what's funny, and this is going to get completely nerdy and people are going to be really, but Star Trek, the experience in Las Vegas here, uh, that was here for about 15 years, used a turntable. And I wonder if it's similar to that, where you actually transport into the enterprise and they used 
a very cool effect. But yeah, I can't wait to, we're already certainly going on too long, but I can't wait to ride this. This certainly by all accounts, uh, and I know a lot of people who have already been on it, is the uh, certainly the best that Disney has to offer. Sort of them combining all of their expertise and technologies from over the years into this amazing immersive attraction. So I think you're going to hear, you probably already heard a lot about it, but uh, certainly if you like this kind of stuff, this is, you know, this is an attraction to go ride for sure. You know how like some people are like thrill ride junkies and so they won't go to Disney because, you know, like if you go to like Cedar Point or even a Six Flags, right? There's so many more roller coasters and things like that. Yeah. Even though this isn't a roller coaster, that would make all those kind of thrill junkies happy. I'll just end it there. I know we've gone on way too long. Sorry. I don't mind because we're rubbing it in Sean's face. But now it's time to rub something into Joe's face. Because I wanted right. to. Oh, I still haven't pulled up the notes. Hold <laughs> killed, on. Killed the segue first time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit. We talk a little bit about Hyatt being both the Grinch and Santa Claus. But let's start with Santa Claus. Oh, because, crap. I know because what you're talking about. They now. are uh, Hyatt's handing out American Airlines executive platinum status to a lot of globalists, top tier elites in their World of Hyatt program. And I am one of them. I just found out today that I actually will be getting executive platinum status through 2021. PDX deals guy, who is a friend of the site, was so happy like three days ago when he found out he rubbed it in my face. Just glad to tell him, uh, PDX, that uh, (laughs) you're not alone. I'm still there. You don't got one up on me on this one. So uh, there. But unfortunately, Joe, you're a globalist, but you don't have it, right? Not as of right now, but you've just given me hope with a little PDX deal guy story. So... But uh, he has a he has a concierge. You said you don't. Did you get your status through a challenge? Is that why? Yeah, uh, I got it through a challenge. So you know that's why I'm not going to have a concierge. I actually do have 41 nights, but I'm not going to have a concierge, uh, and I'm not going to get that other 19 nights. I mean, I suppose I could spend fifty five thousand dollars in the next 19 days or so, but I don't think that's going to happen. So you know, I'm assuming I'm not going to get it because for some reason, you know, Sean, you and I were talking about this off air, but. I'm not sure how Hyatt or AA is getting the people, but it does seem to be only people with concierges so far. Yeah, I asked my concierge and I actually had to reach out to her. So I don't know if eventually she was going to reach out to me or not, but I reached out to her via email and all accounts I'm hearing is that they want to actually verbally talk to the member on the phone. So they're not doing any of this via email. So she had told me to call her back. I called her back today and eventually we played phone tag, but she got back in touch with me. She said that, American Airlines has chose certain Hyatt uh, members for this, and then they're just reaching out, and then we have to opt in via the phone. So that's sort of what I've been told. So I don't really know what it is, but uh, I, I know that we uh, we joked around a little bit about rubbing stuff in each other's face. But I thought I would ask you guys because I know there's always these like cool deals that come along, and we can't get them, or we have friends that get them. And do you guys feel any jealousy when that kind of stuff happens, or get you get upset like, "Hey, I earned this status, but I didn't get that offer." Or, you know, are you guys able to see like perspective on we win quite often. So when we don't actually get the deal, it's still okay. I don't really ever have a status that (laughs) level high enough to get jealous, I guess. I just never get there. So it's just kind of built into me that I'm not going to get jealous about it because it is what it is at this point. How about you, Joe? I mean, I get jealous, but just kind of in the trivial sense. Like I know that I did not get globalist via 60 nights. So, you know, I get why I'm not going to get American uh, EXP status. So I'm not too worried about that. I think the only times I'm like sincerely jealous is when the rules are just like super unclear. And, you know, if like half the globalists were getting it and half weren't, and it had nothing to do with the concierge, 
I would be like, why? Like, this kind of makes no sense. And maybe that's not me getting jealous as much as it is being frustrated at a lack of clarity. But, you know, when I miss out on mistake fares or whatever, you know, you always know that other deals are going to come along. And there's a lot of deals that I benefit from that others have not. So, you know, everything kind of evens itself out in the end. And really, yes, I would love to have executive platinum status, but, you know, how much could I really do with that since I've like completely blown all my American Airlines miles and I have none left. Although I suppose I could uh, change my flights next summer, but you know, so it's kind of one of those things that's good to brag about, but I can live without it. Of course I have for my entire life. You know, I think that the one area that it can be hard to like not get a little bit upset is if like in this case, uh, if you were a globalist, for example, who earned the status and everything and you don't get chosen, whereas other people do, it can be a little bit bitter. I know like a few years ago when Hyatt gave out diamond status to a bunch of people on a match, um, a lot of globalists or well, I guess a lot of diamonds at the time were upset. But yeah, in, in for me and to put it all in perspective, even when I'm not picked for this stuff, it's like you know, I do come out ahead. I do get plenty of deals that other people don't get. So I don't let it affect me too much, but I do uh, like when the deals go my way like this one. I mean, I, I'm excited about uh, executive platinum status. I've had it before. What's crazy is they just gave me three months of platinum status that just expired like a week ago, a week or two ago. And now I guess that wasn't enough. So they'll upgrade me and I'll, I'll take it. I do wonder if they're going to do the how they matched people at, like earlier in the year or or that's where you got platinum too and I got gold for being an explorer. So I wonder if they're going to do that again next year or if it was just a one-time thing. It'd be cool if they did it every year. I think it was just a one-time thing or at least that's what they said. But who knows uh, as this partnership uh, progresses. But uh, right now I'm I'm certainly happy with it and uh, I hope that uh, you know maybe other hotel programs and airlines are listening and they can turn up the Christmas uh, – music and give everybody status how about that yeah give us more free stuff if you want us to stay at your hotels people yeah yeah <laughs> more and more free stuff yes i mean they're a little like kind of honeypot is working a little bit because i'm like oh maybe i'll spend more on my world of hyatt card next year and get closer to the 60 nights because i do know people who have 60 nights and so they are like quote unquote legit globalists but not all of those nights are actual like i guess but in bed nights you know, some of them are from their spend. So that makes me think, oh, well, if I hit 20 to 30 nights next year in actual Hyatts and then, you know, spend $75,000 or however much I need, $5,000 times, you know, maybe I'll go for that. So it's it's funny. Yeah, we don't we don't these... need any more math pauses this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got my free night, by the way, Mark. Thank you. Oh, very nice. Much. There you I go. Got it, Perfect. I got it today. I got it like four hours ago. So <laughs> anyway, I think they do these things to kind of get us into the loyalty trap. So, I mean, smart on their end. I'm not sure how much money American will lose on this. Um, I think they'll just get more business to themselves from people who are road warriors. So it's kind of smart on their end. Yeah. The one really kind of cool thing about this, if it's true, is that, and this is sort of rumored, it wasn't confirmed to me on the phone, but that they're going to also give us four system-wide upgrades, which is what you get when you get American executive platinum status. So those those system-wide upgrades are certainly valuable. So I'm really looking forward to that if I get those, because I, I certainly have a couple uses in mind for them and uh, I'll definitely get great use out of that, but uh, we will see. And anything else to add to this uh, before we uh, talk about Mark and, and why he hates Southwest? Ooh, no, I want to get right to that. All right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's spicy meatball right there. Yeah. Well, as, we just set I, it up, Sean. I'm going to knock it down. 
as many of you know that like Southwest has a companion pass. Uh, if you uh, earn 125,000 points in a year, you know, starting in 2020, you get the companion pass for that year and then all the way through the next year. And that's a great deal. It's one of the best deals in miles and points. Everybody really loves it. And a lot of people go out of their way to get that companion pass. But Mark says that he is going to pass on it. Why are you going to pass on it, Mark? Yeah, so my wife's actually dropping under 524. Um, it should fall off this month. So beginning of next month is when she's eligible for a chase card. And, you know, normally everybody's like, oh, you got to get the companion pass. And and we've had it in the past back before 524. And I used it quite a few times. But there was a couple of reasons that I decided, you know, I was planning on, oh, we're going to get the companion pass. We'll use that. You know, great. That's the best domestic deal and travel. But uh, after thinking about it further, I I decided it's not great for us. Uh, a couple different reasons. One, southwest side of Detroit is not great as far as their route uh, map. They don't have a lot of uh, direct flights. Now, out of like Vegas or Baltimore and, and stuff like that, where southwest has a, a big route map and a lot of direct flights, it, it's perfect. But for us, it's basically we're connecting everywhere we go, which isn't ideal. Um, number two, because of that, the, the pricing isn't really all that competitive. So, yeah, you're getting one flight free. But uh, paying 20, 30% more than you would flying somebody else. And if you flew like Spirit, which has a big route map out of Detroit, you're talking maybe double almost, which the perks of it isn't uh, really worth the value. You're not getting double the value like you would out of somewhere else. So that's an issue. And then the third thing was the issue was, you know, it's under my wife's name and she doesn't travel as much as me. So she's not going to use it as much. So that that diminishes the value even further. So for those reasons, I, I decided to just stick to ultimate rewards type things. I think I'm going to get her the ink preferred and then uh, the Chase Sapphire preferred. And I, I stick with that one first because I think you get more value out of the, the Sapphire preferred than the Sapphire re- Reserve in the first year, which I'll have uh, Joe link it in the, the show notes of why I say that. But And then the best thing is to upgrade from the Sapphire preferred to the Reserve after year one. So I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I know, Sean, Southwest is great out of Vegas. Out of Boston, I, I don't think it's that great, is it, Joe? I mean, it's fine. But, you know, I think, like you said, the issue is Southwest prices are pretty high relatively. And so getting the companion pass makes, I wouldn't say, it it makes them better than competitive than normal prices. But still, like, it's just not moving the needle for me. One of the main reasons you wouldn't get it is because your wife would have to get it. I totally agree with that. Like, I fly away more than my wife. If I could get it on myself, it would be different. But with my wife having it, we're going to use it way less. And in the end, I don't like, I guess, no, actually, I guess this is, this is a lie. Because I was going to say, I don't like, you know, my travel being dictated by whatever benefits I have. But that's obviously not true because, you know, I use JetBlue religiously because of my mosaic status. However, I just prefer JetBlue to Southwest. It flies to more places from Boston. It flies to more places that I like from Boston. And the thing that you said about connections with Southwest, I would have to take a lot of connections out of Boston to the places that I want to go. And, you know, I'm not here for that life. So, um, yeah, I've never been interested in the companion pass and, you know, I have three kids and it still hasn't changed my mind on the companion pass like one bit. Now that, that brings up uh, something that I wrote about uh, like a year or two ago, the dark side of the companion pass. Uh, as everybody knows, I go to baseball stadiums. I try to hit a couple every year and we had gone on a trip to, I want to say it was Kansas City and I booked a direct flight home from Kansas City to, to Detroit and it was like 8,000 Delta Sky Miles or something like that. And uh, me and my one buddy were flying back on Delta and my other buddy who was sitting on a, a stockpile of Delta Miles, um, I'm like, hey, this is a great deal. You should book it. 
He's like, no, we're going to fly Southwest because it's, you know, 6,000 miles and I have the companion pass and his girlfriend was going with us. I'm like, yeah, I understand that you're saving a little bit, but you're connecting. It's going to be like a four hour difference in, in the time that you're going to spend. He's like, hey, you know, it saves me some miles. So I think it does. <laughs> it tweaks your brain that you make bad decisions almost to try to save a few few miles and you fly terrible routing and all that stuff. So that's something I, I wanted to mention that you you brought up that that made me think of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, what we said with Hyatt and the AA partnership, you know, when you have status, it kind of, uh, you know, can cause you to make less than ideal decisions. I still just can't get over the boarding process. I just don't like it. So I've never <laughs> been a, I've never been a fan of Southwest. We do have a lot of direct flights from here, and I've had the companion pass in the past. Like you said, uh, like you, Marco, I also have a lot of low-cost carriers like Spirit, Frontier. I have pretty good experiences flying them, and often – they're significantly cheaper than Southwest, like sometimes 10, 15% of the price. So I just don't have a, a huge uh, desire to do it. If it was easy like it used to be to get, then I would probably get it. But uh, as it's gotten harder, I think the, the trade-off isn't worth it for me anymore. Yeah, I do. Uh, I mean, the boarding pr- process, I, it's more in our heads, I think, because I end <laughs> yeah. up getting a, a decent seat every time. It's not a problem. But I do having... I, ha- I hate having to wake up on vacation the day before I fly out. If it's like if we're flying out at seven or eight or even if it's like 5 p.m. And, and you have to set a reminder and take a break from whatever you're doing to make sure you do this. It's so annoying to have to check in. I know I could just pay the 15 bucks or whatever for early bird, but I'm cheap. So I don't want to pay, you know, more. That's the whole point of flying Southwest because it's supposed to be a low cost carrier kind of. But I hate having to check in while I'm on vacation before the the flight out, the departure. I don't mind uh, because it's the day before vacation. You're excited for it. You don't care. But on the return, I hate having to take a break for vacation, even if it's only 10 minutes just to do that. It's annoying. That's my two cents on it. No arguments here. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's talk about Hyatt some more and, uh, and not in a good way this time. Hyatt actually announced a devaluation this past week. I don't think we can call it anything other than that. They are going to peak and off peak pricing. And uh, that's a little scary, but they're not doing it in a way that's as bad maybe as some of the other programs. Um, Mark, you uh, you reached out to Hyatt, got a lot of clarification, but basically sometimes when when the hotels are in less demand, the prices are going to be lower than they used to be. And then, of course, in other times, they're going to be higher than they used to be. How exactly is Hyatt implementing this? Yeah. So then the nice thing, the, the thing they're doing differently than other programs is uh, they're saying 13 months out, you'll see the calendar and the prices will be set. So it's not going to be as dynamic as like a Marriott or, or a Hilton, where depending on how many rooms they've sold, the prices can go skyrocket to, you know, 100,000 points or whatever. Um, so that's supposed to be the good thing. The bad thing is you can't really plan for the future. I mean, I guess a year out you can plan, but if you're doing an aspirational trip, trip, you don't know if it'll be peak or non-peak. I guess once it comes out, you can kind of judge it based on what happened the previous year and and just guesstimate that that's what it's going to be. But they don't have anything set in stone as far as like there's no set rate at how many peak uh, nights a property can have or how many non-peak nights they have to have or standard. They say it's going to be a majority still of standard pricing, but I think they're talking about across the whole Hyatt brand and not an individual hotel. So like the Andes Maui could be all peak pricing where like the Hyatt place, uh, Auburn Hills in Michigan could be non-peak for like most of the year. And so there's no set set in stone thing. So it's just murky, murky. And that's what I don't like about that stuff. I like static. I would almost rather them just do a flat. Let's increase all the award rates 10%, but you know what it's going to be. I don't know what you guys think about it. 
I like that they're setting it at a corporate level so that like for every market, uh, they're not letting the hotels set the, the yeah, that's, themselves. That's pretty big. Um, but I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about it. So their cheapest, you know, Hyatt has eight categories. The cheapest, like a category one is 5,000 points a night. Off peak on category one would only be 3,500 points a night. And peak would be 6,500 points a night. So it's a 1,500 point swing or a 30% uh, swing from the standard. And it goes all the way up to like a category eight, which is 40,000 points a night standard, 35,000 off peak, 45,000 peak. So the most that you're ever going to pay more is 5,000. And the most you can save, I guess, in an off peak is 5,000 points on the higher categories. But uh, so I think it's not too bad, but this also opens the door for more changes uh, coming later, of course, which is usually what happens with these devaluations. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super distressed about this. I feel like it's a decently fair devaluation. You know, you expect these things to happen. I do agree, you know, the murkiness is never preferable, but it's kind of unfortunately par for the course these days. I'm hoping that it will provide some value in terms of mattress runs for, you know, those getting status. Like if you can do cat ones at 3,500, you know, that's going to be um, much better. And, you know, I, I guess we'll just uh, wait and see. I still feel like you're getting a lot of value out of the Hyatt program. It's just kind of, I think it's making it less clear that Hyatt is kind of stands above the rest in terms of the amount of value you get for your points. I will say the the nice thing is the free night certificates will work no matter what pricing it's at, if it's peak, non-peak, standard. So that makes them even more value, valuable, which is great for like the World of Hyatt credit card where you get it. You get one uh, one to four category free night. Each year you pay the annual fee. You get another one if you spend 15K. It, once you hit 30 nights, you earn one. When you hit 60 nights, you earn another one. And then the brand Explorer perk where you can earn up to three. Each brand you visit, you check one off the box. And every time you hit five brands, you get one free night. So, you know, I re- this year I've racked up four free nights. So that's pretty big that those at least stay static because those are huge value uh, propositions for me. So I was glad to see that. Yeah. And the other, just the other quick change they made was, uh, I guess, a positive one. I don't know if anybody ever used their dining spa uh, rewards where you could redeem points for like credit in hotels, but it wasn't very competitive before. Now, I guess it's a little bit more competitive. You can get up to like $1,000 in credit for 65,000 points, which I guess if you had a lot of high up points, isn't the worst value in the world. So yeah, so they made that a little bit better. But overall, I mean, you can turn your Hyatt points into wife points with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hook it up, hook her up with a nice spa day and some fancy dinner. And yeah, I mean, it's it's tempting, especially for people who have a lot of points, have a lot of ultimate rewards points. This is a way to get credit. You would never do it before to get a thousand dollar credit was 120,000 points. Now it's only 65,000, which again, if you have a lot of points, maybe something worth considering. But, uh, you know, in the end, I think this isn't like, like you said, Joe, I don't think this is a huge deal. It's going to have a huge effect now. And I like that they're kind of controlling it at a central level. And like, it is a devaluation for sure, but it could be worse. And so I guess as somebody who spends a lot of nights in Hyatt's, it really isn't something that's been very upsetting to me. So I'm glad to hear it doesn't sound like uh, I'm alone with that. I got one more thing about Hyatt a little bit later, something good again, but uh, I promise we won't, we'll not talk about Hyatt for a few more weeks after this, but let's go into rapid fire. Mark, you want to start us off with your rapid fire? Yeah. So the first one is a a pretty awesome post that Ryan wrote on the site and I I had talked to him about writing this up and I expected it to be, you know, the standard thing. And it's about pooling points, which, which uh, airlines, hotels and banks allow you 
to pull your points with family members or just random people or everybody. And he went pretty deep with it. So there's a whole bunch of airlines that you can pull points with that you don't have to pay a fee on that I wasn't even aware of. You know, British Airways, most people know about the the family program, but there's a whole bunch of random stuff in there that I was kind of shocked. So it's the most comprehensive list of points pooling that I've seen, at least. Um, So definitely check it out. Bookmark it. It's a great way to get more value out of your points. If you if you have a two-player system, then you can combine them to do one bigger trip type of thing. So it's a, a pretty great article. Uh, I know we put a lot of time into it, so give it a read. All right. And my first rapid fire today is uh, real quick. This week, the Rio Hotel, we had covered this on the site in Las Vegas, actually sold. The sale actually is complete. And uh, there's a lot of rumors that that's going to be the site in a couple years for a new major league baseball team and stadium for Las Vegas. So it's kind of exciting and it's big news, but uh, for the next two years, it's going to be managed by the same company, but uh, who knows? I mean, are you guys excited with the possibility that maybe Las Vegas will have four major league sports teams within a few more years? No, nope. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of Vegas people excited and that sale is now closed. So has the, uh, has the NBA one been officially announced i know they've been building a stadium without anything but yeah there's nothing officially announced t-mobile arena which is home to the vegas golden knights is actually built as a dual use stadium or arena the sands corporation owned by sheldon adelson is also building the uh, msc sphere which is a like 15 20 000 seat arena which is rumored to be home of an nba team and that's being built right behind the venetian as we speak so doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't just put it in T-Mobile. I don't understand that. But. Well, but I guess it's well. T-Mobile is owned by MGM Resorts, so maybe it's just this battle, and, uh, oh, and Adelson's okay. trying to get his his position. He is a building feud. the arena, but and it's also the MSC Sphere is also being built with uh, Madison Square Garden. I mean, sorry, it's the MSG Sphere being built by Madison Square Garden, that company. So, yeah, I mean, it, it seems oh, like they have they have that the chops, but nothing's been officially announced as far as an NBA team. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind catching a baseball game when I'm in Vegas, though. As long, well, I guess in the summer. In the Nobody wants summer? to go. Really? Yeah, they better yeah. put a roof on that thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Diamondbacks have you know Arizona Phoenix. Yeah, has a stadium. yeah. I saw one of the Mets uh, AAA affiliates. I don't know if they're still in Vegas, but we're in Vegas at the time. And I went to see Zach Wheeler while he was uh, still a prospect. He's now a Philly. So thanks for that. I went in the middle of summer. It sucked. So I don't know how a baseball team is going <laughs> to hang out out there. All right. Quick tangent about Vegas baseball. One time I was walking from, you know, uh, Neon Light Museum is a really cool thing in Vegas. If you haven't been, I suggest you go. It's it's just off of Fremont Street uh, and it has a whole bunch of like the old billboards from back in the day and they light up at night. So do your tour at like dusk so you can see the signs all lit up. They walk you around the boneyard, I guess you would call it, and they will uh, describe like where each uh, sign came from and why it's important and stuff. But tangent from that is we were at Fremont and I was like, oh, it's not that far. Let's walk down there. You know, let's walk to the Neon Light Museum, which you don't walk through like the greatest area to get there in between Fremont and the Light Museum. And there's this huge car lineup all the way to a minor league baseball stadium, which I don't know. Do you know who it is, Sean? What team it is? Well, that's uh, that was Cashman Field, but they just moved into a brand new stadium. Um, the Aviators is the they they've na- renamed the team the Aviators, and it's in Summerlin now. So they have a brand new stadium that opened last year. Okay, but- so we're so we're walking down the street to there, and there's all these people waiting to get to that stadium in line. And this lady like rolls down her window, and she's like, "Are you guys lost? Do you guys do you guys need a ride? Like, where are you guys going? Like, uh, you can hop in my car," <laughs> which I thought was the most mi- midwestern thing ever. That somebody's just 
offering four random strangers to hop in their car. And then we're like, no, we're like only at like a couple blocks away from the neon light museum. We'll, we'll be there in no time. And she's like, okay, I just want to make sure that you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Not the best area down there, but uh, yeah, I was like, I'm from Detroit, man. This is fine. <laughs> actually. Yeah. The new stadium is, uh, it actually opened earlier this year and it's, this has been their first season in the, in the new stadium. It's out in Summerlin, uh, near Red Rock. Uh, and it's, yeah, really beautiful, really beautiful place. Las Vegas is uh, maturing yeah. Yeah, when it comes to sports. A lot of sports. Of PDX deals, guys, jealous of all the sports teams you guys have. And speaking of jealous, Joe is jealous of CNB now. So CNB, uh, Danny Dealguru actually had a post on Miles to Memories saying that it looks like they're starting to refund annual fees for people who are canceling their uh, CNB you know what? I still don't remember what the card is called. I didn't know what it was called when I had it, and I don't know what it's called now. Uh, CNB Re- Crystal Infinite, C- isn't it? CNB Crystal Visa Infinite. Yes, thank you. Um, and so they are refunding annual fees, which would have been information that would have been useful to me two weeks ago because I canceled my CNB Visa Infinite card, Crystal Visa Infinite card, and you know I would have kept it if I had known that the annual fees could have been refunded, but. I knew my annual fee was coming up and I didn't want to deal with it. So I cashed out all my points, like I said, and canceled the card. Yeah, I could have got one more one more airline incidental out of it. Could have gotten one more airline incidental out of it. Lots of other fun games could have been played. Another way that burned me, and this is kind of like a sub rapid fire, is that I have a reservation with them through their travel center. And it is super annoying to uh, garden right now because to get through to them, um, without my account being active. Like I can't go online. I can't log into my rewards. Not that CNB's website was good in the first place, but now I can't even physically log in because I canceled my card. So I would have kept it until my stay, which is uh, going to be in January. So now that they refund annual fees, it kind of gives you a lot. I know a lot of people are thinking of canceling that card. It gives you some time to play with. So that's my rapid fire. All right. And I'm going to close it out with just another quick rapid fire uh, to mention Hyatt really quick again. Um, for years, Hyatt has, they don't have this as an official policy, but if you have a free night certificate expire that you weren't able to use, they have, uh, for some members, offered a courtesy points, amount of points. AKA and, uh, globalist. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I have seen it for other people in the past. I just don't want to make it seem like I know for sure that they'll do this for everybody because it's not an official policy. But I recently did have a category one through seven certificate that I had earned when I requalified for globalist status this year. And I wasn't able to use it. I didn't have anything that I felt was a good enough value. And then the, enough time passed. And basically, I did email my concierge. And in exchange for that certificate, was able to get 20,000 World of Hyatt points, which in my book's worth about $300. So it was really nice to be able to get that for the expired certificate. So it's just a great reminder. If you uh, have a, a free night certificate, I think the category one through four certificates, they used to give 10,000 points, but it's not guaranteed, but contact them on Twitter. If you have a, if you are a globalist, have a concierge, contact them there, give them a call, see what they can do for you. Uh, never give up on those uh, free night certs with Hyatt. Yeah. The worst thing uh, they can do is say no. So uh, Joe, once again, information that would have been useful to me <laughs> yesterday uh, did you book a night just because I booked a night for a friend just because and gave it to them at a rate that I would have rather had the 10,000 points at. So yeah. I am the worst travel hacker ever. So good karma though, man. Just, just take the karma. It's not guaranteed, but I, I just wanted to share that. I just did this. Like, I mean, I would ago. have at least tried. Yeah. 
So no, for sure. Anyway, well, you know, I'll you know what, Sean? If you had been on the show last week, if you hadn't gotten yourself <laughs> sick. Okay, we would have avoided the situation. So thanks for nothing. And I would have seen Rise of the Resistance, and I wouldn't. You have to blame it all on Disney, though. You have to go back to the yeah. the spot. Yeah, I didn't even. It's been so long since we recorded. I didn't even get a complaint about the, uh, the yacht club at Disney World on this show. Disney uh, basically destroyed Sean's life the last two weeks. Yeah, and I've been slowly putting it back together. But don't worry, he's going back for more people. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to be back there next. Month. What kind of an idiot I am? Fool uh, <laughs> me once. All right. uh, Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. But is that is that how it goes? Did I mess that up? I don't know. You probably did, did not, for sure, because it's right. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, with that, we, we will close the show. Mark's only made fun of me 17 times since we began. <laughs> I had to double dip for last week. Yeah, exactly. So he was uh, he was itching to do that. Um, before we go, uh, guys, uh, let's uh, tell us where we can find you, Joe, during the week. Yeah, so if you are interested in hearing more about Rise of the Resistance, do check out Disney Deciphered, my Disney podcast. You can also check me out on Save Rossi Observation Deck, my Miles and Points podcast. Those of you who have been thinking about becoming patrons, the rate is going up in January, but anyone who signs up in December will be grandfathered in. And also as joeflies.com. Mark? You can find me on uh, the uh, Joe's podcast. What what date are we doing that? What are you, When are you dropping me? That dropped today, bro. Oh, better be listening to that. Double dip a little bit more mark in your life that it's always a good thing right always a good thing <laughs> you can find me uh on the website uh just comment on any of my articles on miles to memories and i'll respond email me at mark at miles to memories or find me in our facebook group i'm in there uh pretty much every day how about you sean you can find me on twitter at best disney hacks and that's my personal twitter so that's where i'm attacking all of the angry disney trolls for their nonsense every day on twitter you go get them <laughs> Fighting the uh, the yeah the battle every single day, but every yeah. K- AKA Ian Snyder. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean like the Disney trolls within the communities. It's, oh, okay. it's amazing how many how much Disney fans really hate Disney. Yeah, that's where you can find me if you want to learn Disney or yeah milestomemories.com and all of our various social media. And if you really do love the show, please consider subscribing and leaving us a great review. MTMPodcast.com is where you can find all of the information about the show. And uh, until next time, thank you so much for uh, listening. Talk to you later. See you next week. See ya. Because I won't, I won't be in Disney getting sick, so I'll be here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Hopefully. <laughs> It's called a for effect, you know. You got to pause for effect. It, it, how else would you know uh, the uh, the emphasis and, and and oh god, that's terrible. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out. You should have just paused it sounded, instead of trying to talk. No, I, actually, I couldn't think of the word. You know, that's one of the cases where I wasn't even trying to hold back. I just couldn't think of what I was trying to say. And kind of what happened on my end? Mute yourself, Mark. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I was muted. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a cheap, cheap, uh, b- I don't know if you're going to edit that out, Joe, because you edit out. A- so, <laughs> but I, uh, I thought Sean would want me to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let the b- lie. But, uh, Beep. <laughs> yeah. Can we edit that last part out? Because now yeah. my wife's going to expect a massage every time I say hi. <laughs>
So I'm going to have to look now for places knows. that do not have spas. Uh, we're at a Hyatt place. That's what you get for having a wife who actually loves you enough to listen to your podcast. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So Jasmine, we're Jasmine Hyatt, would never. Hyatt places for life now. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.